0: any metric that you look at is riding high when the price is up and is uh, down when the price is low at what point does the price move fast enough in an upward direction that you start seeing headlines in the wall street journal and on cnbc and you start seeing more investors saying okay i've got to get in on this before it becomes too expensive to buy in what i'm getting at is a, a metric like CBDD would incorporate that kind of price fluctuation and maybe normalize for it a little bit in a way that looking at the native Bitcoin units by itself might not capture. Today's episode is sponsored by Bitstamp and Crypto.com.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the first behind-the-scenes discussion of the Coindesk Research Bitcoin Fundamentals webinar. On Tuesday, senior research analyst Galen Moore spoke with CoinMetrics' Lucas Nutzi live on Zoom about the metric Bitcoin Days Destroyed. On the podcast, we've got Galen Moore himself, Senior Research Analyst at CoinDesk, and we've also got our summer research intern, Zui Nguyen, to join us for the show. Thanks for being on the show, guys. So starting off, Galen, what were your main takeaways from the discussion on Tuesday?
0: One of the main points that we got to is the importance of Bitcoin Days Destroyed in the sense of it being a fundamental that is really getting to the heart of how the Bitcoin network works. Whether you think of Bitcoin Days Destroyed as being a sort of a metric to be used in a kind of a Bitcoin price prediction or not, it is one of these things that uh, where understanding it gives you a, a, just a better holistic understanding of what's happening on the Bitcoin network and how to interpret various forms of data. And really gets to the heart of, of some of the um, mechanics of the Bitcoin network that underpin many of the metrics that people do look at. Uh, as fundamentals in Bitcoin.
1: Mm -hmm. I was listening in on the webinar as well and thought that the part of the discussion between you and Lucas focusing on the origins of Bitcoin Days Destroyed was really helpful. And like you mentioned, it is one of the oldest Bitcoin metrics created. So it's really useful to understand what was at the forefront of users' minds at the time when they were developing the metric. And Lucas had mentioned that one of the things this metric aims to solve or better illustrate is on-chain transaction volume and that on-chain transaction volume was an activity that a lot of users back in 2011 deemed was important, important enough to create a whole new metric to measure it. What I thought was also important and interesting coming out of the webinar was how the metric filters out the noise of coin movement from short-term holders And that users at the time thought it was important to uncover and understand the adoption and use case for Bitcoin by taking out or at least accounting for the differences in how long people are holding their coins. So I thought it was really cool when Lucas had said that BDD, Bitcoin days destroyed, normalizes time preference so that the activity of Bitcoins that have been held for a long time have a greater weight and a greater signaling power in this metric. Kind of made me think of uh, the activity of Bitcoin whales and how nowadays a lot of people track, you know, Bitcoin whales, for those of us who are listening that don't know what that metric is, it's basically users holding a thousand or more Bitcoin generally. So it made me think of that metric and how when we're talking about Bitcoin activity, some people do consider the activity of Bitcoin whales with greater importance than just general what's going on with people holding any amount of Bitcoin at all and not just that greater than 1000 mark. That was kind of what I had taken away from the discussion. And I'm curious to know what someone, perhaps without as much of a crypto background as you and I Galen have, who hasn't been in this space for a very long time thought of the webinar, which is why I asked Zui to um, come on the show and talk to us all about what he thought. So Zui, welcome again. Was Tuesday the first time you had ever heard of the metric BDD, Bitcoin Days Destroyed?
2: It definitely was the first time. Uh, I mean, working at CoinDesk, I have been getting to know about a couple of metrics, but definitely Bitcoin Days Destroyed is the first metric that really stuck to me because uh, Galen's webinar was so vividly detailed and it really helped me to see how powerful this metric is in a whole different
1: way. That's really good to hear. So what did you take away from the power of that metric? What were your main takeaways from the talk?
2: I got to say, my biggest impression of the metric would be just how prescient it can be and the way that it can more or less reveal how long-term Bitcoin holders, as you said before, Christine, tend to react to certain negative or bleak events. For example, in 2017, when China was starting to implement some hawkish cryptocurrency policy that got all of those long-term holders just, you can say kind of scrambling and moving a huge amount of Bitcoins that has just been sitting in their pockets, in their wallets for a long time, just moving them around out of sheer necessity. I'm all about psychology and there's a beauty in that metric in which it filters out the short-term daily noises and really nails you down on the psychology of those long-term holders. That's the biggest takeaway for me.
1: Yeah, the psychology of long-term holders is something that I think everyone to this day still wants to know more of, especially because of how mysterious uh, some of these Bitcoin whales are in the space. I mean, it was a pretty short webinar, I mean, 30 minutes. Were there any questions that you thought remained unanswered or that you wanted just further information on uh, after the webinars We.
2: Yeah, I actually have one question that has been nagging me ever since. I want to get to know more about what are the potential problems or are the potential things that the metric of Bitcoin days destroy destroying might not do a good job? in kind of conveying. I was thinking of different scenarios and one scenario, it gives weight to the Bitcoins that, has, that you've been holding in your wallet for a while, a very long time. But what if I have some Bitcoins in my wallet that I have not spent or used for 10 years and after 10 years, I just decided out of, whether it's out of necessity or just want to screw the system, you might say just move that Bitcoin that's been there for 10 years into a different account, but that account is still mine. Obviously it's going to register a lot in terms of Bitcoin Days Destroy, but it's still just me transferring Bitcoins to myself. And like, I was wondering how Bitcoin Days Destroy might get around that kind of potential issue the way I see it. And what are the the other potential problems that it might face?
0: I think that's a good question. And um, I think it's a, it's a fairly easy one to answer. Certainly, Bitcoin days destroyed does place weight on time. So as you said, if somebody is a long-term whale, they can have more impact on Bitcoin days destroyed than um, somebody who's been holding for the short term, you know, given that emphasis, that equal weight that it gives to days held and the number of Bitcoin. That said, uh, you know, we had an experience like this recently, where a number of coins first mined in 2009 that had sat uh, dormant uh, since they were originally mined moved. Uh, this was on I think May 6, and there was a you know a minor kerfuffle on Twitter over maybe these being coins that might have belonged to Satoshi Nakamoto moving for the first time. I think it, it turns out or the consensus was that these were probably not Satoshi's coins, but somebody who was a contemporary of when Satoshi Nakamoto was active and engaged in Bitcoin development in the network, who was mining at that time, uh, certainly did move some coins. And even though that, that's uh, you know, about as long as it gets in terms of timescale, that, um, as we saw in one of the charts we were looking at uh, in the webinar, that movement did not uh, sort of spike the Bitcoin days destroyed metric. And, and the reason for that is there really is quite a, a lot of Bitcoin days destroyed happening every day, right? Uh, there are people, every time you move coins, if you've held them for six months, uh, that's Bitcoin days destroyed. If you've held them for a week, that's Bitcoin days destroyed. Uh, so every time coins move, you see that number, um, and then you see that it reflected in that number. You know, in a nutshell, it really is a, um, a, a measure of collective activity. And what's interesting about it is it does not always move in tandem despite being a measure of collective activity, it does not always move quite in tandem with other measures of collective activity. You see days with large amounts of value transacted, but not especially high amounts in Bitcoin days destroyed and vice versa. What you do see is a metric that reflects the collective action of long-term holders. As, we, uh, as you, Christine, and as we were both saying earlier, that sense of what's the psychology of the long-term holder, you can see that in a collective way, in a way that actually is, is really not I don't think possible in other asset categories. There's no way, for example, to find out other than through news reports to find out what are the sort of long term holding mutual funds doing uh, with their stock holdings in a particular industry sector versus, you know, what are the short term day traders doing? You know, it's uh, it's rare, especially for a retail investor to be able to gain that kind of insight. And um, with Bitcoin, you have that information uh, available to anybody who has the inclination and the ability to uh, to ingest and and analyze it.
1: Gotcha. That's interesting. So you're saying that, you know, the activity of one long term holder doesn't actually change the the outcome of the BDD metric so much so uh, than the metric calculating the collective activity going on. So there's actually a lot of movement happening in the Bitcoin ecosystem, such that if somebody were going to try and game the system, they couldn't do it by just moving around a couple or a handful of Bitcoins from one long-term wallet. It would have to be the collective action of many long-term holders. Is that right, Galen?
0: I think so. Historically, that's, uh, that's been the case. I mean, I'm not aware of a moment when, you know, one whale was able to really move this metric. It has historically been a collective uh, picture. Bitstamp is the original global cryptocurrency exchange. Since 2011, Bitstamp has been the preferred exchange for serious traders and investors, trusted by over 4 million customers, including top financial institutions bitstamp is built on professional grade trading technology their platform is powered by a nasdaq matching engine and their apis are recognized as the best in the industry download the bitstamp app from the app store or google play or visit bitstamp.net slash pro to learn more and start trading today that's bitstamp.net slash pro crypto.com offers one of the most convenient ways to purchase your favorite tokens or cryptocurrencies It's also one of the most cost-effective ways, with a normal 3.5% credit card fee waived for all crypto purchases. What's more, with Crypto.com's MCO Visa card, you can get up to 10% back on things like food and grocery shopping. And when you buy gift cards with the Crypto.com app, you can get up to 20% back. So download the Crypto.com app today and enjoy these offers until the end of September.
1: You also said, Galen, after the webinar, just in in back-channeling with us, that a lot of the audience questions were directly about how the BDD could possibly predict or impact Mm -hmm. the price of Bitcoin. I mean, you know, that question of one moon. Galen, what were some of the new insights that you thought directly spoke to that question of the relationship between this metric and Bitcoin price? Were there any in your mind from that conversation?
0: Um, I mean, I'd hesitate to draw a direct line, uh, but I I do think, you know, insofar as you can get an insight into the activity of a certain character of user on the network, that can be a component of a larger thesis about, uh, you know, a larger, um, you know, strategy, which you can then express uh, in the market. For example, looking historically, we saw how Bitcoin Days Destroyed uh, saw large spikes in early February about a month ahead of the uh, volatility that we then saw in mid-March. Uh, you, know, you could interpret that in many different ways, but one possible, one plausible interpretation is that a, a spike in BDD, when things are otherwise calm in Bitcoin markets, indicates uh, institutional investors and long-term holders really readying their funds for volatility and uh, looking ahead into the market. And so if you're sort of thinking about how can I follow the smart money situation like that, you might look for those kinds of signals you know, and say, aha, you know, volatility's is coming. Uh, the, the smart money sort of getting its, its powder dry, ready to uh, execute nimbly, and I'm going to do the same. Another possibility is, you know, you, when you look at bull or bear markets, uh, trying to sort of pick the top of the market or the bottom and, and call it uh, and, and time things appropriately, uh, looking at what the, uh, the long-term holders are doing in those settings can be instructive as well. For example, if the market is running up price is running up and you see the Bitcoin days destroyed metrics staying flat, then that would tell you that maybe the long-term holders and the more institutional money in the market that is buying and holding is um, you know, waiting and seeing, and, and they're not selling yet. They don't believe the top of the market has been reached. You, you don't have that kind of heavy sell pressure from those groups yet. But then when you start to see BDD increase as that run-up goes along, then you see, okay, profit-taking is happening. The top of the market may be reached soon. And you know, conversely, when the market momentum is downward, and you start to see BDD go up, that may indicate a sort of a fear factor settling in among the uh, the long term holders. You know, the ones who might hold and hold and and say, "Well, we'll you know we'll get through this and it'll come back up." Starting to feel like, you know, geez, I better sell, or we're gonna, um, you know, I'm gonna end up um, underwater here. I think you know, sort of reading that and saying, "Okay, would this be a good time to buy in the market?" Can be a a signal as well. But again, all of those things are, are sort of, you know, maybe one component and a broader strategy for predicting price and, and probably something that an investor would do uh, with, uh, you know, access to a, a fair amount of other information and also consideration of what's appropriate for their own uh, portfolio and their own finances.
1: Still, those are good signals just to lay out and, and say plainly, because I think that obviously that's a topic of conversation that a lot of people we're curious about. And it's always good to hedge that these aren't direct correlations with price, but these are just some of, like you said, those signals that one or strategies that one could consider having listened and and understood the BDD metric better. Curious to know, Zui, were some of those signals that Galen had just mentioned now, the ones that had gone through your mind, were there other signals or extrapolations to Bitcoin market activity that you had thought about when you were listening to the webinar?
2: That was the only thing in terms of signal that I was thinking about. A lot of time, the time my mind just drips uh, back into thinking about the difference between on-chain and off-chain markets which Galen talked about in the final minutes of
1: the webinar and how that relates to of BDD in general. Was the topic of conversation between on-chain and off-chain activity something you wanted to go deeper into but just couldn't, Galen, because of the time constraints of the webinar?
0: Well, I think it's one of those uh, things that is, like as I was saying earlier, you know, understanding Bitcoin Days Destroyed provides a, a deeper insight into uh, the workings of Bitcoin as a whole. So you, know, you might go in thinking, I want to understand this metric, I want to know how to analyze it. You know, for for some people in crypto, this seems obvious. But for people who are new to crypto, the idea that there are two sets of market metrics—is it you know on-chain and off-chain? You know, I don't I don't think there are too many other uh, asset categories that that have that kind of bifurcated um, right structure. Uh, I mean, you could say like, okay, spot market and futures market. You have, I mean, there are you know maybe there are analogies, um, but this idea that there is the uh, network itself into which you can see a, like an, a, an abundance of, of very specific uh, and precise transaction data. And then in addition, there is the exchange volume and the exchange traffic, and you can read that data as well. To me, again, this isn't necessarily a moment where you could say, aha, I found the magic bullet, but you can say, uh, okay, I'm gaining a better understanding of what the different, you know, lights are on my dashboard here. And what are the narratives and, and you know, theses that I can put together around the patterns that those lights are exhibiting? One of the things that we didn't get as much into it that I think is actually a pretty interesting pattern is one that Lucas identified, which is that the exchange data, the data of how our assets moving across exchanges, which, you know, again, are, are sort of third-party entities that exist independent of the Bitcoin blockchain, that activity on third-party exchanges often more reflects retail uh, than institutional. And activity on chain can often be read with a, with a sort of an institutional lens or filter, uh, the logic being that uh, institutional investors are, are more uh, attuned to counterparty risk than the uh, average retail investor. Uh, and so therefore, you know, they may be looking to self-custody and may be looking to make transactions happen directly on chain more frequently than you would see. A a retail investor. Now, with any narrative, there's a limit to that. I mean, certainly the institutions and and professional investors that are active in crypto assets are utilizing exchanges. They're using OTC desks that use exchanges. There are arbitrage funds that do nothing but work on on a variety of exchanges. So I think that you could carry that logic too far, to be sure. But it is an interesting uh, way to think about what the patterns might be between those two categories. And again, really, even just understanding that duality of Bitcoin financial data, and crypto financial data in general, is a key insight, especially for somebody who's new to the space.
1: I completely agree. I think that not only are the patterns between those two different sets of uh, metrics interesting to explore, but also how there are certain metrics that try and bring them together. So I was doing a little bit of background research, some more uh, background research on this metric, BDD. And while originally... Bitcoin Days Destroyed is, you know, a completely on-chain metric based on the movement of Bitcoin on-chain. There are iterations of BDD developed by other major participants in the Bitcoin ecosystem who've iterated on the idea and brought in some off-chain metrics to calculate new types of BDD, I guess you could say. So one of them uh, was developed by Willie Wu. I know we've used his metrics. We've talked about his metrics extensively kind of like amongst our research team before, but he developed the cumulative value days destroyed metric, the CVDD. And it's basically Bitcoin days destroyed, but it multiplies the coin days destroyed with the market price of Bitcoin to better illustrate in the metric the value time destruction of these coins. So if you sold at a time, or if you moved your coins at a time when the price was very low, that would be reflected in the number, in the data that you get on, from that metric. I thought it was an interesting way to kind of bring some kind of off-chain data to better explain what's going on chain. What do you think about the, I guess, evolution
0: of the BDD metric, uh, Galen? What you're doing there is factoring in the dollar value of those Bitcoins. So really what you're looking at is like dollar days destroyed in a way, right? I mean, it's, you know, any number of metrics you can look at in in native terms, in Bitcoin terms or in dollar terms. I do tend to prefer to look at most things in dollar terms uh, because I think that's how most investors think about them. Uh, You know, returns are not measured in Bitcoin. They're measured in dollars. Uh, but there are times when uh, looking at things through a, through a sort of a Bitcoin lens, mm-hmm. especially when you're thinking of uh, sort of adoption uh, or you're looking at things that where the sort of the use of the digital currency may cut across ver- a variety of currencies and economies. Uh, in those situations, dollar measures may not be the best. For example, Zui has recently been doing some work on peer-to-peer Bitcoin exchanges and um, I think it's obvious to anybody that a dollar's worth of Bitcoin exchanged in Ghana is not the same thing as a dollar's worth of Bitcoin exchanged in Tokyo uh, or Paris. The kind of the, the unit that you choose is um, certainly an important piece of, of kind of how you put together your analysis uh, and, and another way in which it's very easy to uh, read a narrative that may be false into the data. What I do find in general in Bitcoin is that everything pretty much seems to dance to the fiddle of price. Any metric that you look at is riding high when the price is up and is uh, down when the price is low. That's in a way one of the unique features of Bitcoin. You look at stocks, for example, and and the volume metric, uh, trade volume in stocks, in equities tends to go up when the price is crashing as everybody's looking to sell and maybe opportunistic buyers are looking to buy. You see that volume go up with volatility in any direction. In Bitcoin, historically at least, the opposite has been true. When the price is going up, exchange volumes rise. When the price is going down, exchange volumes fall. So, there is very much, I think, in Bitcoin, a kind of an element of the CNBC headline. And at what point does the price move fast enough in an upward direction that you start seeing headlines in the Wall Street Journal and on CNBC? And you start seeing more investors saying, okay, I've got to get in on this before it becomes too expensive to buy in. What I'm getting at is a a metric like CVDD would incorporate that kind of price fluctuation and maybe normalize for it a little bit uh, in a way that looking at the native Bitcoin units by itself might not capture.
1: It's cool to know that in many of these metrics, they're already following price. I didn't know that uh, historically speaking, there was that kind of relationship between exchange volume and Bitcoin price that doesn't really exist with traditional assets. Zui, I do want to make sure that we're answering all the questions that you had come out of the webinar with, because I think you have a very unique perspective coming into it. Share with us a little bit more of some of the other questions that you had come out of the webinar with, and maybe we can discuss those more in depth.
2: I would still very much want to know more about what are the, like, the potential problems of Bitcoin is destroyed. Like, what can happen if you rely too much on that metric? In what ways can it deceive you?
0: You know, Bitcoin days Destroyed is only as useful as the narrative that you apply to it. I think it is a powerful metric. uh, And it is also, uh, you know, based on some of the same fundamentals of Bitcoin that many other metrics like MVRV, uh, that's uh, market value to realized value, uh, and a whole category of uh, metrics based on UTXOs. So, you know, to to the extent that you understand this metric and then apply that knowledge to other things you're looking at as well, that's good. To the extent that you uh, develop a narrative around this metric and then uh, become sort of blinded to other things that may be going on that may be counter to your narrative, uh, that's, I think, the danger with any one individual metric.
1: To that, Galen, do you mind giving our listeners a sneak peek on some of those other metrics that you're looking to explore in the series outside of BDD and hopefully uh, the kind of value add that they could give, creating synergies with the kind of insights they've clearly learned from this Bitcoin Days Destroyed metric?
0: Sure. Yeah. I mean, the one I mentioned in particular right there is uh, market value to realized value. Uh, we're all familiar mm, yeah. with market cap as a measurement of a, of a currency's um, sort of overall value. A more nuanced view it uses UTXO timestamps to look at what is the unrealized value in the market? To, you know, to what extent are people sort of selling at a profit or selling at a loss? And there's a whole family of metrics that apply that kind of analysis to, uh, to Bitcoin. Uh, And I should say not unrealized value, but what is the realized value in the market? If you know the price at which a Bitcoin last moved and the price at which it's moving today, what does that do to add to your sense of uh, are investors potentially profiting or potentially um, losing money in crypto assets? And um, market value to realized value takes the price in the market today and then looks at uh, the aggregate price of all Bitcoins at the price at which they last moved. So for example, in the case of a Bitcoin that I might have bought six months ago, uh, that Bitcoin would be sort of counted in the the overall value of the Bitcoin network at the price at which it last moved six months ago. And if you look at that in aggregate and you compare it to the price today, you get the sense of what's what's the amount of money that investors have put into this thing and what is the amount of money they could sort of recoup if they sold today? When MVRV is negative, that means that investors who are selling today are on average sort of selling at a loss. Uh, and investors who are buying, if, if it's a positive number, then it, it indicates that there is some unrealized value uh, where investors could sell their Bitcoin and, and turn a profit.
1: Building blocks of knowledge. Now that everyone has a good grasp of Bitcoin days destroyed, I imagine this next discussion for realized value. And uh, a market cap will help people better understand not only the technology of Bitcoin, but also Bitcoin markets. Thank you so much, Galen and Zui, for digging deeper into the BDD metric with me. Thank you to everyone who is listening to this special pilot episode of Behind Bitcoin Fundamentals with Coindesk Research. If you're interested in getting touch with our team, you can email us at at research@coindesk.com or DM us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at CoindeskData. I'm Christine Kim, a research analyst for Coindesk. Uh, We had Galen Moore and we also had Zui Nguyen on the show. If you want to find out more on BDD, we've got a research note on the metric, which can be downloaded for free under the research section on the Coindesk homepage, www.coindesk.com. You'll also find a video recording of the webinar that Galen did on Tuesday, also on the Coindesk website. We've got a lot more research-focused content coming your way, like a new quarterly report about the cryptocurrency industry. So please do hit that follow button on Twitter to stay up to date about all of our latest products. Until next time, always remember to stick to the Bitcoin fundamentals.